Welcome to the Gathering at Adel. Today's message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. We're looking at the promise, the purpose, and the power of Pentecost. If you have a Bible, please turn to Acts chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 13. Man, you know, there are three major celebrations in church. You know, the first one is Christmas, and, you know, we talk about that, and we celebrate Christmas as the birth of our Savior. Then we talk about Easter, and, and you know, it's kind of hard. We don't really celebrate the death of Jesus. We celebrate the birth of the new covenant. So we, we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. We celebrate the birth of the new covenant. And then Pentecost, which is today, we celebrate the birth of the church. Like this is where the church got its orders and got its mission. And this one is like almost frowned upon in a big portion of the church. Even though the church was launched because of this. But it's frowned upon. And I think it's because it's misunderstood. It's confusing. It's like, really, that all stuff happened? And really, when you think about it, like the birth of Jesus through a virgin, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, prophesied hundreds of years before, but yet we accept that. We're like, yeah, I mean, of course that happened. Or, or it's like, Easter, like, crucified, died, buried, raised from the dead, took on sins of all time. And we're like, yeah, that one's great. But the birth of the church, we're like, I don't know about that. I mean, really, like, why should we celebrate that? Or even over half of the church of Jesus Christ does not celebrate, does not recognize this as a significant event. But we're only a church because of this single, single event. And so my, my proposal to you today is that Pentecost was not just a past event. It is a living reality that continues to shape and empower the church today. Up on the screens will be Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. Can I just preface you guys like verses 9 and 10 get a little tricky with some of the cities and countries. Ask for grace for that. I might just skip one, but it will be up on the screen. My wife loves to make fun of me because I can't pronounce all my words right sometimes. So I might just save myself the embarrassment on that one. We'll see what the Lord has. When the day of Pentecost had arrived... They were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 5, Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astonished and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Here's the grace. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia. This one's tricky. It's Phrygia, Phrygia, or Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But some sneered and said, they are drunk on new wine. What a glorious day. But to understand Pentecost... 
you have to go back to the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 19. Man, this is... Verse 1, it says, In the third month, from the very day that the Israelites left the land of Egypt, they came to the Sinai wilderness. In the third month, they came there. And the Lord began to give them instructions. It says that Moses went up to the mountain, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my, my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. Moses came back and he summoned the elders of the people and set them before all these words that the Lord had commanded him. Then all the people responded together. We will do all that the Lord has spoken. And so Moses brought the people's words back to God. Uh, and, and verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear when I speak with you and will always believe you. Moses reported the people's words to the Lord. And the Lord told Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes and be, be prepared by the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, be careful that you don't go up on the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain must be put to death. No hand may touch him. Instead, he will be stoned or shot with arrows and not live, whether animal or human. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they will go up on the mountain. Moses came down and he did all those things. But verse 1 of Exodus chapter 19, it says on the third month from the very day that they left. Pentecost is celebrated 50 days after the resurrection. God came down on the mountain to meet with his people 50 days after he delivered them out of slavery. So, so this was a, a big thing that, that God called Moses up on the mountain to receive his commandments and to establish a covenant with his people. God's desire was for his people to live in holiness and obedience and for them to walk in unity together. And he gave them the law. But you see the law just demonstrated that they could not do it themselves. God said hey I want you to purify yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Do all that I've said. And the law demonstrated that man cannot do it. Fifty days after they were delivered out of slavery. Like you remember Passover. Slaughtered the Egyptians. And he passed over the people of God, pulled them out of slavery. And so this, when, when we're talking about Pentecost, it, it's 50 days after the resurrection. Because 50 days after the, he delivered them out of slavery, he gave them the law. 50 days after the resurrection, he gave them the Holy Spirit. He said, you wanted, you couldn't do it yourself. The law demonstrated that you couldn't do it yourself. You can't purify yourself. You can't cleanse yourself. So here's what we're going to do. 50 days later, now after this Passover, after this resurrection, I'm going to give you the one that can. The Israelites celebrated this time that, with a feast, and it was called the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot. Shavuot was a time, there were three pilgrimage feasts, okay? So where, where 
the, the Jews were separated and, and out of, uh, not, not where, uh, of their land. They got scattered. But three pilgrimage feasts where they would all come together to celebrate. And so that, in verse 5, when it's talking about all these people, hey, look, aren't these guys that are speaking, aren't they Galileans? How can each of us, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those in Mesopotamia, sometimes it's confused that it's like all of these nations now came together. No, actually what it was is those Jews, because it said now there were some Jews staying in Jerusalem. All those Jews had come back from those places where they had been scattered. And God brought them all back for Shavuot. And he poured out his spirit on them. He gathered them back together. Poured out his spirit and then sent them on mission to go back to those places. That's why he gathered them together. That's why he did this. Like, this wasn't just a random outpouring. Like, oh, hey, let's do this today. This was, this was God-ordained and divinely inspired to where he brought them back for this feast where he knew they would be here. And he poured out his spirit because he knew they wouldn't stay there. He knew they would go out into the rest of the world and transform it and spread the gospel. That's what we do when we come here together on a Sunday. It's not so that we can come here and we're like, oh, this is so good. They got stuff for our kids and I can just and get, get coffee. No, it's so that you can come in here, receive what the Holy Spirit has for you, and then you go back into your place where you came from, and you spread the gospel to the ends of the world. Pentecost reminds us, the, reminds us of the fire of God's presence that transforms our hearts and empowers us to live like Jesus. We're going to look at three things if you're taking notes. We're going to look at the promise, the purpose, and the power of Pentecost. Lots of Ps there, all right? The promise of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has been promised a long time. Let me, let me just read. I, I did not mark these out because there's a lot. Uh, so you can just bear with me. But this one's going to be Ezekiel 36. Listen to this. This is, this is when Israel is restored. This is what it's talking about. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your fathers and you will be my people and I will be your God. Isaiah, a couple of times it talks about it. Joel in chapter 2, he says, I'll, I'll pour out my spirit on you. And the old men will dream dreams. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, you know. It, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist said, hey, I... I baptize you with water, but there's one that's coming after me. He'll baptize you with fire. Acts 1.5, just right before this, right before Jesus is, is taken up. It says, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Ephesians 1, listen to this one. This one's great. Ephesians 1. 13 and 14. There you use my Galatians, Ephesians that go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Uh, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you also believed, were sealed with him in the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Have you... The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. 
I mean, how, do you, how can we reject that now? Oh, I don't understand it, or that's weird. Yeah, maybe people have misused it, have abused it. But how do we not enjoy the down payment of our inheritance? <laughs> and then, then in John chapter 14, this, this is probably the most famous one about it. John chapter 14 verses, I believe it's 16 and 17. Let's see. Uh, we'll go 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and, and will be, be in you. The promise of Pentecost is that God will pour out his Holy Spirit on his people. The law demonstrated that we could not do it on our own. So God gave us the Holy Spirit to fulfill the promise that he made. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit filled the disciples with the presence of God. You see, the, the presence of God needs something to dwell inside of. Before, you know, he, he led them out. You know, in, in Exodus 19, it was he was in a cloud. Then he was pillar of fire, right, cloud by day. Then, then it went to the Ark of the Covenant, and he was in there. Then they built the temple, and he was in the temple. He was in the Holy of Holies. But, but now, he says, he, he pours out his spirit on us. And now, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the new creation. We are the ones that get to house the presence of God as every Christ follower. This is not restricted to a select few. For in the Old Testament, it, it came upon somebody for a certain amount of time for a certain specific job or task for them to do, and then it withdrew. But now, every Christ follower has the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of them. Our bodies are the temple. And now you don't need a priest. You are the priesthood. You are the kingdom of believers. Like we get to house that because of Pentecost. Because he poured it out on us. Pentecost was not just a past event. But it is a living reality that continues to shape and empower the church. The Holy Spirit dwells within us to guide us, to empower us, and to equip us to do the work that he has called us to do. Pastors, wives. She's fact-checking me as we talk. She wanted to hear a pronunciation of a word. I love you, babe. Yes. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit dwells within us to guide us, to empower us, to equip us to do the work that he has called us to do. The reason that the, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church is because without the Holy Spirit, the church could not do what it was supposed to do. And the same goes for you. The reason that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you is because you are unable to do what he has called you to do. You are not good enough. I'll say it with me. Let's say it together. We are not good enough, right? Like it's not you. Forgive me for projecting that on you. I am not good enough. You are not good enough. We are not good enough to do what he has called us to do. I cannot live a life pleasing to God without the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. I am not that good. My wife cannot do it. She is not that good. She, she met, right? Like, we cannot do it. The law demonstrated that. That in my own power, in my own strength, 
that I will fail. And I will need something bigger, better, and greater than myself. And that is why he poured out the Holy Spirit. You cannot be who you need to be, not just to you and to God to live a life pleasing to him, but who you need to be to your family without the Holy Spirit. You cannot be the mom. The dad that he has called you to be without the Holy Spirit. You can be a mom, you can be a dad, but you will not be the one that he has called you to be. You can even be a good dad, but you might not be the one that he has called you to be without the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. You want to be the best boss, the best co-worker, the best uh, person in line, the best driver on the road is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You drive on these roads, especially Weatherford and, and some of these guys out here on these smaller roads, that people think that it's just the autobahn. You will not be that person without the Holy Spirit. Because, man, you will be doing the speed limit just right. And somebody is going to fly up on you. And there, maybe it's just me. There is something that wells up inside of me. And it's not the river of life, right? It's, it's, like, it's like the tongue of death is coming up. And I'm just like, Lord. And then I just have to go, Lord, you're good. I don't care. Why, why does it matter? Let them do that, you know. That's after I say something, and I have to repent of that. And then I say, Lord, no, it doesn't matter. You will not accomplish what the Lord has set out for you without the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, 9 and 10 says, for you are God's masterpiece, his most prized possession. And he says that, that he has called you to do good works that he has prepared for you in advance. So he has called us to good works, but you cannot do the good works on your own. You, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to guide you, to empower you, and to equip you. Listen to this. Here, here's what the Holy Spirit does. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 10 through 12. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. Since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God, so that, we, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. Man, just keep going. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness to him. He is unable to understand since it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth and understanding. The Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of the promise of God. The Holy Spirit reveals the heart of the Father to us. Why is it essential to be filled with the Spirit, to walk daily in the power and the promise of the Holy Spirit? It's because He reveals the depths of the Father's hearts to me. When, when, when I want to be frustrated with my wife, which this isn't me, this, this one's for y'all. When y'all want to be frustrated with your wife, you need the Holy Spirit of God to tell you the secrets and the depths of his heart that he has over your spouse so that your eyes begin to see them as he sees them and not as you see them in that moment. Where you want to be angry and frustrated, you begin to say, you begin to hear the Father's words over your spouse. You know, she's wonderfully 
or he, in case you all's case, he is fearfully and wonderfully made. He or she is a child of God. God's masterpiece, the apple of my eye. And that allows us to begin to transform our hearts and our minds and our thoughts towards our spouse. When, when we come into a tough time, we need the, fa- the Father's heart to be whispered to us by the Holy Spirit. When, when money gets a little bit tighter than what we thought that it was going to get, we need the Holy Spirit to begin to whisper the depths of the heart, Father's hearts to us. Where, where, where I can be tempted to spend on another pair of shoes, I can hear the Father's heart that says, do you really need that to be liked by people? Do you really need that to feel better about yourself? That money can be used in more efficient ways. But without the Holy Spirit guiding me, I'll have 97 pairs of shoes. And I would rejoice in that. But he does not rejoice in that. But but when we allow ourselves to be guided and taught by the Holy Spirit... Things begin to take on a new meaning. Things that we thought were important are no longer important. Things that we held on to, suddenly we open up our hands and it's free. Traditions. Go, man, forget the traditions. I want to be with the Father. The Holy Spirit is essential to Christ's followers. The Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of the promise of God. That's the promise of Pentecost. The purpose of of Pentecost. Pentecost was not a random outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was ordained by God to empower the church for its mission. Through Pentecost, the church received spiritual gifts and boldness to spread the gospel to the lost. When he poured out the Holy Spirit, he poured out the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit have been so misunderstood by both sides of the spectrum of church and Everywhere in between. But the gifts, according to Paul, says that they are for the encouragement, for the edification, for the equipping of the body. Not for me to feel better about myself because I can prophesy. But I prophesy so that you guys can be encouraged, edified, uplifted, built up. We have the gift of teaching, not so that I can have a platform and a pulpit and I can feel like I have arrived. It's so that you can hear a word and the Holy Spirit can spark that in you and drive in you a desire and a passion for his word. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was important because it allowed us to be built up because the, the church has always been under attack. And, and I, know, I know we can lose perspective and, and we, can, we can look at, man, the church is under attack right now. And, we, and we, can, we can talk target all you want. And we can say, man, the church is under attack. But, but here, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on them for the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that they could go out and do their mission, they were being nailed to a stake, dipped in oil and lit on fire on the way to the Colosseum so that other people could then see more Christians get fed to the lions. Am I happy with Target? No. 
But that ain't what's happening right now. I mean, we, that pales in comparison. The church has always been under attack. In the way that, the, that God designed for the church to withstand the attack of the enemy is by the, by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. For the gifts to be given to his people, to all people, to, to spread it out. Sure, I'm the guy here right now. But every one of you guys are equipped to be the man right here. Y'all all have the ability to do this. Because it was poured out equally. It used to be a select few. It used to be a hierarchy. But now, as you so brilliantly pointed out, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. Free man or slave. Right? We're, we're, we're all equal. The hierarchy of God is God and everybody else. And he did it because he does not want the old system to continue to be the way that it came. The old system of religion demonstrated that you cannot do it on your own. That we need somebody greater. And the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. The purpose was to give all gifts to all men. But it also brought unity. The purpose of Pentecost was to bring everyone back together. What's interesting is when you tie this into Genesis chapter 11, it, it, it's called the, the Tower of Babel. The people came together and they said, man, what, what if we got together? Let's build a tower that reaches the sky. And they begin to do it. And God looks down and says, they might actually do this. That's not, what, that's not actually what it says. That's my version of it. And God's like, so don't fact check me on that one. It's like, they might actually do this thing. And God said, so what God did is he spread out languages. He dispersed language and people. Because he thought if they are unified, and he, the word says this, Genesis chapter 11, if they are together in unity, there is nothing that they can accomplish. So he spread them out. But at Pentecost, he brought them all back together. Because he said if they're spread out, they cannot do what they're supposed to do. So he brought them back into unity. Because the only way that the church is going to accomplish the mission that, it, that the Lord has set out for it is to be in, together in unity. And he brought together one language. And they all spoke it and they all understood it. He dispersed it and then he brought it back together. The Holy Spirit unifies us in Christ. We cannot accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish if we're fractured and divided. We, we are so worried about all the other things that are happening externally with the church. Not in the church. Right? Like we're so concerned with society and culture and what's happening over there on the other side of the world. And we're so concerned. But yet our primary focus has to be to unify the church. Like we think that we see all the signs of the end times is because, because of this and that and this and that. The signs of the end times is when the church becomes unified again. Because it says that Jesus Christ is going to return in glory. 
in victory for a pure and spotless bride. You do not get a pure and spotless bride by one that is fractured and divided and always making fun of the other ones, always questioning it, questioning whether they're actually saved or not. That you we want to you want to see the day of the Lord get here sooner? It's not by bad things happening and worse and worse things happening. It's by the church coming together in unity. Because when, when the church comes together in unity, that's when the Lord will return. We, we've got to quit looking for the Lord to come rescue us and save us. What we have to look for is for him to come together, to be with his body that is pure and spotless, and then to receive us up into heaven. He's not going to come and deliver us from all of our problems. He's going to come in glory. Because he's coming for a pure and spotless bride. And we will only get that if we begin to focus on unifying the church. We, we, we're so concerned with other things outside of the church. Be concerned with the things in the church. And the only way we do it is by the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. Pentecost reminds us that we are not alone on this mission. And that we have the Holy Spirit guiding us and empowering us along the way. Here's the last one. The power of Pentecost. You had the promise, the purpose, here's the power. Pentecost was a powerful display of who God is. It enabled and empowered the disciples to walk in power and authority. The disciples were once timid and afraid. I mean, this was 50 years after or 50 days after the resurrection. That means it's 50 days after Peter denied him 3 times. They, they, were, they were timid, they were afraid, they, they, they were scared. But when the Holy Spirit came upon them, Pentecost did something for them that emboldened them, gave them a boldness to proclaim the gospel. Look, look at Peter, like right after that, right after Acts chapter 2, 1 through 13. But some sneered and said, they're drunk on wine. And I love it. It says, Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and proclaimed to them. And he begins to preach a sermon. And they said, man, what, what should we do with this, with what we've just been told? And as you said, it said, repent and be baptized. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. 3,000 were baptized and added to the family. The, why, why does Pentecost matter? Because there's power in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has the power to bring about transformation and revival in every person. Before we were powerless to sin. We were slaves to sin. There was no way to transform ourselves. But there's power in Pentecost. Because the Holy Spirit has the power to convict us of sin. To cause us to repent of sin. And to enable us to walk out in that wholeness that he has called us to. Sin used to entrap us, but the Holy Spirit sets us free. It's not just about freedom, though. It's not just about, okay, I got free for me. But it, the Holy Spirit gives us power to pr boldly proclaim the gospel. We get free. And then now we have the freedom to share. Where, where we were shy and timid. And man, can I tell you, it's not easy to share the gospel. It's not easy. But in your own power. But, 
but by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's something that comes over you. When you share the gospel, there's a confidence that goes, man, this is all that I know. Even yesterday, yesterday I'm at work and there's this guy, Julio, and he begins to open up about how his wife is divorcing him. He, he, had, he had cancer and, and you begin to get to share the good news of the gospel to him. That man, I, I know what's happening in your life. The kids are out, sucks. But God is good and his faithful love endures forever. And if you'll just take this opportunity to return back to him, you will be able to see that. But when you're wandering off on your own, you don't get to see the goodness of God. It's only when you turn back and face him that you're allowed to see that. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can impact our families, our schools, our offices, our neighborhoods. What I love is the power of the Holy Spirit filled ordinary individuals and they boldly proclaimed the good news of the gospel. Ordinary individuals, not the religious elite, ordinary people. Smith Wigglesworth, I don't, I don't know if you've heard of him, maybe you have. Smith Wigglesworth, he worked in the fields with his mom. He worked in the factories to help provide for his family as, as a young boy. He, he was a young boy. He, he didn't get to attend school and he was Ill, illiterate because of that. Smith was a, was a plumber. He got married. His wife taught him to read by using the Bible. He began to read the Bible and he just took it for what it was. An ordinary man unschooled, uneducated, illiterate until he saw the word of God. He encountered the Holy Spirit in such a way where thousands upon thousands were changed because of his ministry. Smith Wigglesworth, we know him now because of the man that he became. But the man that he was, the boy that he was, unschooled, uneducated, written off by society, transformed thousands of lives. Yes. He was just an ordinary guy, like me and like you. He, he read the word, and he says that's all that he allowed in his house. He didn't even allow the newspaper in his house, because he said, what good is a newspaper? He began to read, and he read the word, and he read the word, and his ministry was defined by an outpouring of the Holy Spirit for all men, all women, Ordinary people, just like me and you, have the power to transform the world because of who is inside of us. The, the presence of the living God, the, the Spirit of God dwells in us. And we have the opportunity everywhere we go to pour it out. We must allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn in us. We must seek a deeper relationship with God than surrendering ourselves to Him. We must open our hearts for Him to purify us, equip us, and ignite a passion in us. Here's my final statement to you today. Embrace the power, the purpose, and the promise of Pentecost. Be filled with the Spirit. Be transformed and be empowered. Pentecost was not just a past event. 
It is a living reality that continues to shape and empower the church today. Walk in that power. I'm going to pray over you guys. You, you, you have the opportunity to receive it because I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you up, to overflow. Psalm 23 says, my cup overflows. I'm going to pray for the Spirit of God to be full in your life. And then I'm going to pray for boldness, for you to walk in freedom, healing, wholeness, and to spread the gospel wherever you go. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the purity of your word, that, that it's unfiltered by man, and that your Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and teaches it to us. Father, we, I just pray for my friends here today. Father, pray for the kids in these rooms and pray for the kids in the next room over. Father, I pray right now for, the, for a, an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for a filling of the Holy Spirit. May we walk in a new fullness that we've never even known existed. Father, may, may we walk in a freedom that has the power to transform our lives, our hearts, our thoughts, and our actions. And may we walk in a boldness to share the gospel wherever we go. Whoever we encounter, Father, may we share the gospel with them. Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.